Welcome back to the Between Breaths podcast. Jacko here, and it is Jacko alone. Um, but, well, not necessarily a guest, um, but I'm going to be joined by a piece of research so that we can look at what is best for recovery. Um, and I'm going to pick it apart a little bit and try to draw more out about this. A lot of um, interest in this area. Um, you know, because the type of thing that we see often these days is, in my view, a little bit unscientific at times, the way that we're interpreting um, scientific studies and literature, and ultimately that like human nature to sort of um, want to just go, is, is, I want a black and white answer, like, what is best? Um, and we're going to look, uh, look at a specific study um, that's going to tell us a little bit of stuff, but equally, I think what it doesn't tell us as well um, is really interesting. And I will share with you what I've done, how I've interpreted it, just my view, my opinion, um, but with a lens on it of this is what I'm seeing and this is what I'm using with the professional and international athletes that I'm training. And hopefully it will give you a better insight into how you will utilize some of this information for your own recovery when you want to try and potentially make your recovery easier or faster or better. That's good. But what about when I want to challenge my recovery so I become better at recovering? So we will look at all of that and um, I may even have a little bit of a rant um, within it. Um, so before we just get started to thank the uh, sponsors of the podcast <laughs> podcast, um, HVMN ketone IQ. They come in these little uh, shot sizes, or actually really like the uh, concentrated um, one. But essentially, these are ketones um, that are a great fuel source that cross the blood-brain barrier. They're fantastic for um, brain health, which is one of the things I looked at it initially. But then a little bit like breathing, which I looked at that initially for um, brain health perspectives. This is something I've probably been, it's probably gone on a, a year now since I started using Ketone IQ. Love it for concentration, focus, and that brain health side of it. Notice a, a real benefit with my sleep, but then also a bit like with breathing, started off like that for me, but seeing how breathing can influence performance. Same thing with these, um, utilizing some of this alongside some hydration uh, sachets when I go on my long runs and endurance training, which I'm building up towards a few events next year. Snowden 24 is going to be one of those. And I'll definitely be having some Ketone IQ in my little uh, backpack, camel pack. So um, they are the sponsor of the podcast. Um, love the product. Been using it, like I say, for probably close to a year now. And uh, you can get a 20% discount off uh, using code Jacko at hvmn.com. And the link in the show notes is going to be hvmn.com forward slash Jacko. And that means that that discount code gets uh, automatically applied to anything you put in your cart. So um, I'm using them, highly recommending them, and I will continue to use them. And I continue to thank HVMN for sponsoring the Between Breaths podcast. We enter this world taking our first breath, and sadly, we leave this place taking our last. And what I want to do with this podcast is to explore what happens between those breaths. I'm David Jackson, Jacko, and this is the Between Breaths podcast. So let's get into the podcast detail, trying to improve our ability to uh, to recover. And 
I'm going to bring up for those that haven't ever watched on YouTube. This is probably one um, where you may want to get. Oh, I think on Spotify you get a video as well these days, don't you? Um, so I'm going to pull up the uh, paper here that we're going to talk about. It's one from the from the Translational Journal of the American College of Sports Medicine, and it's from 2019. And so here's the downloaded version of it. Um, we're looking at the effects of two different recovery postures during high intensity interval training. Um, some I've highlighted some pieces of what I thought was important bits of context for um, the the research and the and the paper itself. And then we'll we'll get into some some nitty gritty of interpreting this. Um, there were um, a few things sort of in the in the introduction that I was very uh, enjoyed seeing um, things like this. It says it's well known that the respiratory system plays a critical role during rest and exercise via buffering metabolic byproducts such as hydrogen ions and carbon dioxide to maintain the acid base homeostasis and minimizing dysregulation of the excitation contraction coupling process in localized muscle tissue. We know that breathing has an effect on H plus ions and carbon dioxide levels. And so it starts, you know, because we, I still, I, was, I enjoy seeing that because I still have conversations with people that go, breathing, really? Like sports people, like professional sports people going, really, is, is breathing really going to make that much difference to, to my performance, my recovery? It's like, yes, it is. Um, now, um, it's, it goes on to say that like um, when the respiratory system lacks the ability to increase alveolar ventilation or exercise induced diaphragm fatigue kicks in this is when we start to feel that fatigue when we can't increase alveolar ventilation so we can't increase the amount of air that we're able to breathe in and out as well as potential diaphragm fatigue when that sets in so you know it doesn't go into this but like this the study goes into looking at um, how we can position our posture and our rib cage to allow for the easiest function and movement of the diaphragm. Um, but I also want to talk about maybe for another podcast, maybe it's a whole podcast on its own, but like diaphragm strengthening, strengthening that diaphragm through a good functional range um, of motion. And uh, those that have seen me and some of the athletes I'm training with the with the sports mask on, the Darth Vader mask on, that that's one of the things that that mask is doing. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe there's a whole podcast episode um, on the sports mask. It goes on to say uh, in the in the study, however, in the in the introduction, new literature has begun to indicate that one can accelerate immediate recovery between exercise bouts by maximizing the surface area of the diaphragmatic zone of apposition. So this is a like the position of the ribcage that allows for the movement of the the diaphragm for its greatest and most functional range, uh, let's say. And it's been shown that the zone of apposition is maximized during spinal flexion rather than spinal extension. Um, hence why they decided to um, compare these two positions, which is going to be having your hands placed on your knees, where your spine is going to be a little bit more flexion, and compared to when your hands are on head, that the spine is potentially going to be in a little bit more extension, and the effect that that has on the ribcage position, and then therefore the effect that that has on the zone of opposition, and the movement that the uh, diaphragm is going to go through, and then the ease of which it does. Um, one thing is to say is it is comparing two recovery postures, hands on knees versus hands on head. That's all it's comparing. We'll go on to find out that it's the study is on just females, not males. And we can make an assumption that it's nice actually for once that we're, we're, research is often just done on males. So, um, 
but there are there is always limitations with one study um, and just take those things into mind and you know at the end of this if i say right this is better than that or this is no this is better than that it's fine from this sort of study but to say the best way to recover is x when we've only compared two things um you know is just not is not looking at things with the correct lens and in the full spectrum of understanding like what actually this is saying and what actually um science is so um just bear in mind it is comparing just two things um, there's one other thing it says in the uh, in the introduction so not just the movement of the of the diaphragm but also also um the position of recovery also potentially influence influencing autonomic function so obviously like how the your nervous system is controlling things and particularly heart rate so how quickly we can recover during exercise um, and one of their measures was heart rate recovery so the speed at which the heart rate would recover that was one thing they tested um the other thing that's so two other things that they tested was the volume of carbon dioxide they were breathing out and also the tidal volumes so of the size of the breath they were able to take during recovery periods um so what they um what they went on to do was they got 24 uh female division two soccer players between the ages of 18 to 22. so a, a, quite a specific group um they performed uh, shows here they performed um exercise uh, where we're saying subjects performed a total of two treadmill sessions of high interval uh, training separated by one week which consisted of four minutes of running and three minutes of recovery and they did four sets of that so basically four minutes running three minutes recovery four times yeah um and they assumed one of the two recovery positions during the recovery periods to compare the two yeah their um main results were hands on knees posture resulted in significantly faster heart rate um recovery or decrease in heart rate between intervals um, than that of when they had their hands on their heads um, and their results as a total from this investigation show this is quite quite from the literature show an improved um, heart rate recovery and greater tidal volume and volume of carbon dioxide when they had hands on knees posture compared to hands on head so in, in all three things that they were measuring hands on knees performed better than hands on head that can very easily lead us to say, right, well, we should put our hands on our knees anytime that recovering, because that's the best recovery posture. Well, we don't fully know if it's the best recovery posture. What we do know is it is better than putting your hands on your head if you are a female between 18 and 22. It's probably the same. It's probably going to be better for a male cohort as well. So I'm not trying to be picky. I'm just pointing out a couple of um, sort of simple things we have to take into um, consideration. I think one of the one of the main and interesting things for me is that what role does the diaphragm play and what else can we do understanding some of this data and literature to help us um, improve our recovery for ourselves or for a coach working with athletes. Um, and so one thing to be aware of is that the diaphragm plays a role in stabilizing our midline. You know, we think of where it attaches onto the spine and the effects it has on the pelvis and our, on our lower back, so our lumbo-pelvic hip complex. It is part of that deep core stabilizing structures. 
when I support myself, put my hands on my knees, or I lie down on the floor and be completely supported, there can be a relaxation around the midsection. There can be less um, muscular contraction from the diaphragm for stabilizing our posture and also less um, trunk stabilization from things like our obliques, which actually slightly restrict our movement of the rib cage out during inhalation. So when I am putting my hands on my knees, yes, that spinal flexion, as they rightly said, is allowing us to have a greater zone of apposition, which is gonna affect the volume of air that I can take. But also the fact that I'm supporting, you could try it yourself, put your hands on your knees and try to take a big breath, being fully supported. You put your hands on the desk or table in front of you or lie down on the floor where you're more supported, you will be able to feel the diaphragm moving easier because you've got less um, contraction from your midsection and things like your obliques that are actually stop the ribcage moving and articulating outwards um, during an inhale. And you compare that to being stood up or compare that to being in a plank where you have to really engage your core musculature and you'll notice that it's much harder to get the ribs to move in the diaphragm you won't feel it moving as much or feel the the size of the the breath the volume the tidal volume as being as big so yes we may be with hands on knees in a posture that allows for a greater zone of apposition but equally how much of it is coming how much of it is attributed towards the fact that the diaphragm is only really having to breathe rather than stabilize that midline when you're in that posture. So that to me says something really interesting um, because that says, uh, or wrapped in across the whole thing linked to that is in sport, and this is where we go, let's just go into context of working with athletes and working in sports and just like what feels good, but also what looks good is that posture and how you look is a massive thing whether you're doing it through the nose or doing it through the mouth is it through the mouth mouse through the mouth is another massive thing and um we haven't even touched on that in this um but what we would ideally like to see is um someone that can maintain good body language whilst recovering their breathing in a sporting context to help them feel better as well as the messages that's sending out visually to um, teammates if they're part of a team and the opposition um, and so what i start to think about is something i said at the start around i'm going to do a whole separate podcast on committed to doing that now around like diaphragm strengthening if i've got a stronger diaphragm it's likely to be able to function better even when it is in a slightly compromised position because what i want to be able to do and what my what i want my athletes to be able to do is recover really well even when they're being um, challenged or even when they're in less optimal positions i want them to have versatility that builds resilience rather than only being able to recover well when everything's perfect because most of the time everything isn't perfect but what we do do is we take note and go okay 
what this is telling me is the more I can support the body so the diaphragm doesn't have to do that work and maybe get the spine in a uh, position that allows the rib cage alignment like that's something I've been talking about for a long time um, that rib cage alignment makes a massive difference to how well the diaphragm is going to function so working on those things all the time um, and having some drills to help with that really important type of things that I've got in my in my courses at probethwin.com but this isn't a plug for them this is for you to understand um, that when I've finished a training session and when I want to recover and down regulate getting into a position where my nervous system my diaphragm my ribcage can be in a place where we're setting it up to optimally improve that recovery at the end of the session i would be utilizing this but i wouldn't go hands on knees i'd go lying on the floor i'd go long spine i'd go knees bent feet flat on the floor i'd be going can i get that rib cage connected down to the floor and can i feel that nice three-dimensional expansion from the rib cage and movement of the diaphragm and yes you're going to do that um and then the flip side of it is I'll go, okay, I mean, I haven't done this specifically, but you could argue that, okay, right, this training session, um, all of our recovery is going to be done. You're going to have, I want you to put your hands on head. You go, why would you do that? You just said that's going to be the worst way. Well, it's going to challenge your ability to recover. And when I challenge your ability to recover, you're going to get better at recovering. Now, that's a silly little example, um, but hopefully it makes a couple of you pay attention. You know, I wouldn't specifically do that, but... There are things that we do do to challenge our recovery. Yeah, we could block one nostril. So you create some resistance to the airflow in a good body position. It might not be hands on knees. It might be just upright, knowing that that upright posture is a posture that most people during physical exercise and sports are going to be in. And it's a posture that looks less tired in terms of in terms of body language. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is like the context of what are you trying to achieve in your session or if you're a coach in your athlete session or the person that you're training is that's the important thing. When I want them to help them recover as quickly as possible, these are the things we're going to do. When I want to challenge your recovery in training so that you get better at recovering, these are the things we're going to do, like the sports mass that we use, for example, like providing resistance and you're re-inhaling exhaled CO2 because it gets trapped in that mask. That is not helping recovery in the short term. It's horrible. It's, I mean, it trains that mental resilience. Psychologically, it's like a huge challenge as well as physiologically, it's creating challenge and stress in the body. But you adapt and then you get better. Your respiratory muscle inhalation and exhalation get stronger your body gets used to that restriction and gets adapted. Your body gets used to you re-inhaling some of that CO2 that you've exhaled into the mask and then you become better adapted to, to carbon dioxide. You can tolerate more of it. And what it said right back at the beginning of the study was being able to, basically said being able to tolerate CO2 and hydrogen ions um, which we're going to get more of if we do some sort of breath holding work as well because of that anaerobic lactate um, pathway, then we're exposing the system to all the things we want it to get better at dealing with so that when we actually go and exercise and perform, it's better at it. That, though, makes recovery and the session harder. 
So the context of the session is really important. Is this a max out session where I want to, and maybe it's, maybe it's almost like a test. Maybe you're trying to impress your coach, whatever the situation is, there'll be times then where you'll use everything that I teach to try and make recovery fast, fast, uh, better. You'll use your mouth and you'll dump CO2 in between. You'll use your recovery breathing protocol to get yourself back to nasal. So that helps you with your mindset and your, um, and your brain function and your decision-making and calming of the nervous system before you go again. You might have your hands on your knees to help you recover, um, but you've got nasal breathing going on. You've got yourself back to nasal after those CO2 dumps. So although your hands are on your knees and you're giving that diaphragm the chance to just fully move rather than stabilize, but you're like poker face. You've got that Roger Federer face on, even though the hands are on the knees. So body language wise, you don't look tired. You look like you're ready to go. Um, that would, you know, I mean, that's, that's one side of it. And then there's other times in training where, you know, you make training hard and you make recovery hard. And I think this is one of the things that I hope comes out of this podcast is the appreciation and understanding of, okay, breathing adds an extra like whole modality of things that I can use to challenge my system or make the system recover quicker. There's plenty of literature and research out there supporting this, but use it appropriately depending on the context of what you're trying to achieve in your training session and then you've got an extra tool that most people just aren't using or aren't exploring they're not there yet um it's coming and it will be there but take get one step get one step ahead um so i hope that i hope that makes sense i hope that's um helpful ultimately the study says sort of rounding this up the study says put your hands on your knees compared to putting your hands on your head because of the body position is allowing for easier and better function of, of the diaphragm. So we get a fuller breath, a larger breath. So the tidal volume was higher. Um, it's calmer for the nervous system to be able to regulate heart rate and we recover quicker and we can expel um, CO2 at a greater rate that helps get back to um, that homeostasis. And if we've got a larger tidal volume, so a larger breath, it makes sense that that volume of CO2 expelled is, um, is also increased. So, it all sort of makes sense, but that may mean that in your next time you're trying to recover, you put your hands on your knees, but it also may mean that you don't. But understanding why you might do it and when you might not do it and why you might do something slightly differently is all about hopefully you educating yourself and understanding um, understanding things and not searching for the which is better than what, the black and white answer, because actually that makes you quite rigid, doesn't 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 foster um, variability in your in your in your adaptation or variability in your uh, in your ability to recover. Um, I want to build resilience. Um, I want to build variation. I want to be able to recover whether I'm standing on my head or whether whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hope that hope that makes sense. Hope that um, also for me it, it it highlights that like that diaphragm as we would expect, so important. And the position of the rib cage, super important. The strength of the diaphragm, super important. You know, the, the study doesn't necessarily say that, but that's what it says um, to me when you look at it. Hopefully that makes sense to you. So um, I think that is a definite reason as to take a little bit of a deep dive on diaphragm training, um, which is something I'm um, doing a lot of 
at the moment I'm feeling mega for it, not just during recovery, but during a session um, itself. So uh, yeah, I'll make a little pact or a little promise with you. Um, next time I do a podcast on my own without a guest, I'll have the, uh, I won't have the Darth Vader mask on for the whole thing. You won't be able to hear me talking, but um, I'll explain a bit more about that and uh, why we use it, how to use it. Um, and also how to be progressive with it <laughs> because it is it is a challenge it does get uh, very spicy uh, very quickly too hot too spicy um yeah it can do and i've made that mistake myself before um as well um so yeah there we go hopefully you've understood a bit around recovery postures ribcage position diaphragm how you can utilize that understanding to help you either Make a, make a more informed decision about what you do with your body and your breathing uh, during a recovery to either maximize it or challenge it to get better at it at a later date once you've adapted. So I hope that makes sense. Um, thank you forever, um, for, for as ever, for watching, if you're on YouTube, watching it. Uh, if you're listening on your Spotify, your iTunes, your whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Thank you for listening. I'd love you to leave a review um, on whatever platform that you're using it on. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, you know, um, I'd love to hear if you, I'd love to hear if you agree or if you disagree with me, I'd love, you know, if you, if you, let's have a healthy debate. Um, uh, if you, you know, if you think that I'm missing something that if you think I've misinterpreted some of that, if you're yeah, if you're curious about the diaphragm work that we're doing, um, yeah, let me know, and uh, I will look forward to uh, taking this discussion a little bit around around recovery um, further, or even widen that. Just about how hopefully you've seen that we've like looked at one study and tried to take a bit of a broader perspective on it, rather than just go okay, yeah, it said that you know literally in the at the end in the conclusion it said hands on knees is better. Everyone do hands on knees. Like we didn't say that. And hopefully you you appreciate and agree with that approach on sort of reviewing scientific uh, literature. And if you do, I'd love to hear from you. So uh, yeah, share it on uh, on on Instagram is probably the big social media where I'm most active. Share it on there, tag us in, let us know what you think. Um, and if you have any specific questions, then you can drop me a DM um, on Instagram. I would love to hear from you my instagram is jacko.david.jackson if you're not following yet um and i guess finally there's been had loads of uh, quite a lot of new followers recently so hello and welcome um if you're listening to the podcast for the first time a lot of you don't know that i've got two free courses on the probreathwork.com website they're both free and there's two of them uh, the free foundations of breathing check that out i think it's seven or maybe even eight modules long it's like is try to make it very comprehensive like to give you the foundations for absolutely free um, because I believe everyone should have the foundation for better breathing and understanding that and be able to do it and practice it and benefit from it. Um, most people don't need anything more than that. Obviously, I've got other courses and things and trainings that you can do. Um, some people want to become certified in the Oxygen Advantage. As a master instructor, that's one of the things uh, that I teach. And I'm also one of the mentors and, and run uh, the mentorship program for other coaches uh, with the Oxygen Advantage. You know, some people want to go that far with it. But for most of us, like just having the foundational basics in place and they're totally free. Um, then the other course is uh, Breathwork for Stress and Anxiety. Um, and that was that's one that's just it just feels like it needs to be free because I want to yeah, I want to just help people, particularly if you're in that place um, 
understanding how you're breathing is a reflection of your nervous system and how your breathing can help you control that nervous system response, that stress and that anxiety. Um, it's really powerful. And if, uh, if you think you would benefit from that or if someone else would benefit from it, um, do check out probreathwork.com. Um, check out those two free courses, one for stress and anxiety and one is the, just the foundations of, of breathing. So uh, thank you as ever. And uh, I, I'm actually really looking forward to this um, uh, podcast we're going to do on the diaphragm functioning and, and strengthening. Um, so look out for that one. Um, and also look out for me running up and down Snowden again. Coming to a mountain near you. <laughs> um, that's happening for 2024. Hopefully I get this out before Christmas. Um, let's say I will get this out before Christmas. It might be the last one before Christmas. If it is, Merry Christmas. Um, I wanted to do a video about um, like a funny one of Dave and Jacko doing, uh, Dave was going to be dressed up as Santa doing um, ho, ho, ho. And basically those hoes being like, it's getting cold hands and feet because he's getting, you know, he's dumping off too much CO2 of all his ho, ho, ho. Um, I haven't got a Santa outfit, so I don't know if I'm going to manage to get that done. I'm going to ask, see if my neighbor will let me borrow. I think he's got a Santa outfit, so I'm going to ask. Um, so if you've listened all the way to the end of this, then, you're probably laughing your head off now. Um, but if you do see me and Dave, me and Dave, on uh, a little Insta video, um, and Dave doing some ho-ho-hoing, and he's dressed as Santa, then um, uh, you'll know where I got the, uh, you know, I've stolen a Santa, not stolen, borrowed Santa outfit from my neighbour. Um, Dylan, if you do let me borrow it. Thank you, buddy. Um, for everyone else, um, you've been listening and breathing. I've been Jacko. Until next time, keep it nasal.